Soraya. Hey, Jeff. Cheers. <laughs> Salud. <laughs> yeah, so I got my nifty coffee cup from our friend Frank DeGrado, who put our symbol on a coffee cup. Very nice. And on a Christmas ornament. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Very sweet. Yeah. And again, thanks to Frank DeGrado and all the fellas at the JFJ Conspiracy Podcast. Yes, we love those guys. Yes. At least three of them. <laughs> so, Soraya, here we are. We took we did a, a couple of weeks. We took a break and spent time with family. Thanksgiving. Yep. You had a good Thanksgiving? I had a great one. What about you? We did as well. Yeah, I was on the plane flying to the East Coast most of Thanksgiving, but we got into the East Coast late and celebrated the next day, but it was very nice. So. Sounds but, like it was a good time. Indeed. I love the holiday season. It's the best. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Speaking about awesome. Yeah. We've got some awesome guests today we haven't had guests for a while we've been doing a lot yeah of uh we've kind of we've kind of kept it a little simpler but today we're definitely expanding the discussion we so are. you want to tell our listeners what we have in store for today well we welcome back the, the wonderful ronnie barnett who, absolutely yes yes who is our muse um our inspiration and our coach <laughs> at times yes so ronnie's going to be joining us as uh, a guest host as we welcome all three living members of game theory that recorded the lolita nation album so yeah so that's going to be very cool because we've had two of these people on before yes. um, not together separately but we're going to have right. all three of them and um it's gonna be fun because this is a great double album released in 1987 on enigma records and uh there's a lot to unpack i think here so i think you're right and i think there's a lot to be told and uh i don't know about you but i'm getting ready to get started yeah me too so let's do it hi this is soraya and this is jeff our podcast is called Paisley Stage Raspberry and Rhyme. A podcast where the two of us play music that we like and share anecdotes and background about the tunes. We hope you'll join our conversation. And without further ado, agrubiar. Let's get groovy. There we go. Yay! Yay! Very cool. Looky here, Soraya. Looky what we got. I'm loving what I'm seeing. <laughs> I'm loving this. <laughs> oh, thank you, uh, Soraya. Yeah, you know, that. Ronnie, no. you set the tone. You know, Guy, it's nice to meet you. I'm Ronnie. Hey, Ronnie. Nice to meet nice. you. Yes, absolutely. And Jeff, maybe we should introduce ourselves to Hi, Guy. I'm Soraya. <laughs> Hi, Guy, and, and I'm Jeff. So Soraya and I are hosting this thing that we call a podcast, Paisley Stage Raspberry and Rhyme. And Ronnie is our frequent co-host and our muse, our inspiration, our coach. And uh, he gives us um, realistic criticism when we need it. So. Yes. <laughs> awesome. And, and, he, he's, well and he's our music expert. So we like to have Ronnie on to um, guide the conversations as they should go rather than rambling, which I tend to do. <laughs> but we wanted to thank all of you for coming on. And I think Soraya, you have a um, little introduction 
Yes. So for our listeners, um, you are really in for a treat today. Uh, we want to welcome back, of course, our guru and guest host, Ronnie Barnett, and also welcome back Donette Thayer and Shelly Lafreniere. And also welcome to the show, Guy Gasson. Did I say that right? Yay, yay. Wow. Um, and uh, today's discussion is really something that Jeff and I are really excited about. And we're going to be taking or listening to anecdote stories about Lolita Nation by uh, Game Theory. There we go. And I'm expecting Ronnie's show and tell any minute now. Oh, uh, well, I'll show my copy. There you go. Oh, wow, look, look at that. that. Oh. Oh, oh, look at that. Next level. Signed by everyone in 1988. Oh, wow. Yep. wow, nice. Wow. It was in Houston, Texas, Guy. I'm from Houston, so it was at that wow. show. You guys stayed in a house behind the club. You, you probably don't remember, but. That was oh. such a fun show. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah. <laughs> I, I, think we I were, remember staying we at the were, house, in, but I don't remember the show. I, I remember there was a liquor store across the street that wouldn't sell us beer unless we drove there. They had a drive-through window. <laughs> you had to be in a car to buy out. Oh, yeah. You can't walk up. Yeah, that makes, sense. Wow. that makes sense. Well, they tore that club down now. It was an old Polish hall. It stood for like a hundred and something years, but they tore it down oh. a couple of years ago. So too bad. Always sad. I have a piece of the flooring, though. So I have a piece of the floor Excellent. that stood on while you guys played. Look at that yeah. fine collection. So. It can go in your fine collection. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. So, Guy, anyway. I think we got to start off with the obvious question. We love for for us and our listeners to know how did you join the band? I joined with uh, the three Donette. Actually, we were working at a club called DNA, and I'd, I'd been a doorman there. And uh, I think we were doing some stuff setting up the club. And uh, she said. Uh, my boyfriend has a band and he needs a bass player. And I said, okay, well, I'll listen to the tape or whatever. And I listened to the tape and I thought, wow, these guys are really, really good. And I was wondering how come they weren't signed. And she said, oh, we, yeah, we have a record deal. We're just looking for someone to tour with us. And I was like, I'm in. <laughs> and Guy was already a pretty accomplished player by that point. Uh, you were in the New Breed? New Breed and a couple other bands, yeah. I was known around the city. <laughs> any, any of those bands make records, Guy? Do you have did they, any singles, any early Guy? No, a lot of, a lot of tapes. I, 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 with the New Breed, we recorded with uh, Tom Allen, who at the time was recording Chris Isaac. Okay. So we had to compete with the studio time for him. <laughs> with oh, him, wow. brother. <laughs> yeah, Tom Allen, he did a lot of st American Music Club and Lots of yeah, that's and actually, uh, yeah. Mark Eitzel's my cousin. Oh, wow, wow, amazing! I'm a huge fan of that. We can talk about that later. So, this lineup <laughs> formed for the Big Shot Chronicles tour. Am I right on that? Yes, yes, yeah, okay, okay. And we did the video for that for that record, too. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. I, I remember I did the, the uh interview or whatever at uh, going over uh, Scott and, and Donnett's house and uh, sat there and we played and then uh, we went to uh, Robert's place of work, which was Big Shot Studios. Right, right. Yep, Gay and I both uh, interviewed, we both auditioned at the same time. Audition, that was the word I was looking for. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, we both uh, got in, so. 
I think the only reason I got in was because Scott wanted gay. Right. <laughs> Still to this day, think that. It was a, a package deal. <laughs> it was. I, I insisted on that. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> it's interesting. It's interesting that the uh, the real nighttime tour was the Big Shot Chronicles lineup, and then the Big Shot Chronicles tour was the lineup for the band. That's very interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. And we, but we toured our own record though, Lolita Nation. We actually yes. toured that one. Yes. So. <laughs> Go ahead. Jim. I was going to say, so Shelly was uh, the veteran in the band, and you're welcoming these two new members. How did how did you feel, Shelly, having Donna <laughs> and Gee join the band? Oh, it was great. I was happy. I was happy as long as <laughs> I already knew Donette and, you know, we were friends and done many things together. So that was all fine. And, and, you know, Guy seemed fine. He was playing his babe. Plus <laughs> so. he could sing. Right. Yeah. A definite advantage. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, so let's get to like the, uh, the record like um was was lolita nation was it supposed to be a double record like did you know that or, or you know did that evolve when you recorded and because scott had all this material and ideas or you know we weren't really in yeah. on a lot of what scott was thinking i think you know um yeah. i think that it it became he had so much material that he wanted to do a double record and he could get away with it and so he ended up asking if he could do a double record and they said, okay, why not, you know? So that's how it ended up. And so we were, and I love that we're all here, all of us remaining members, because I think that of all of the, and I don't know this, Shelly, you'd probably be better qualified to tell, but I think that of all of the records that Game Theory did, this was the most collaborative one yeah. Um, so for us all to be here talking about it, I think is really so appropriate, you know? Yeah, um, I do think it was the most collaborative. And I definitely yeah. felt that when we were making it, that, that we were all there, you know, and, and some of the material wasn't finished even. Scott was, no. and as we it, were going, I remember coming up with uh, lyrics. In fact, um, I came up with one lyric and he, he implied that it was genius. <laughs> oh, what was that, Shelly? It was. I have it written down here so that I wouldn't forget. In um, hmm, uh, St. Michael, one more for St. Michael. Uh, no, no, that's not it. Um, <laughs> see, I have it right here and I can't read my own note. <laughs> but mine was Poor Deers. It was a backup vocal in... Um, thought I had it right down here written but now I'm not That's exactly not. what we don't want to hear is poor dears is in yes, that yes anyway but they were coming up with backup they didn't have lines for the follow-up vocals and and I just said poor dears because it rhymed right and Scott thought it was a great great name so I was being involved <laughs> I felt like I was involved <laughs> in um, the process much more than and definitely more than the following record you know, or the yes. previous one. Yeah, we were all, there was, and it seemed like we spent, because it was a double album, I guess we spent more time in the studio. We were there for, um, for quite a while and, and they were doing spiritual things, you know, running wheelbarrows around and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. I actually found a couple quotes from Scott about it being a double album, one of which was in this Brett Milano uh, book 
uh, Don't All Think Me at Once, The Lost Pop Genius of Scott Miller. And there's a quote where he says, we're going to make one of those double albums that should have been a single album, which I thought was oh. interesting. <laughs> and then another quote, this is Wikipedia, so take, take it for what it is. Um, it says uh, that the reason why you guys wanted to do a double album is because people kind of hate that idea. It was more <laughs> of a fun to do this big sprawling mess of an album that people don't know quite what to do with. And he says, I think it's good for people's souls. So I was wondering, was it good for your souls recording this big, huge, sprawling mess of an album? How did it play out for you guys recording this double album rather than uh, a single album? Well, I think that since it was a double album and there was extra space there, he allowed us all to do our own, uh, have a piece on there. And so it's the only recorded piece that, that I ever did that I wrote on, and it's on that, you know, it's on the weird snippet side there. Toby Ornette. So I don't know that he would have let us do that on a regular album because he had enough material to fill it and he wasn't going to, you know, that third side had a lot of playroom there, you know? Yeah. 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 And Shelly, Shelly, on my record, you wrote play Toby Ornette over and over. <laughs> Excellent suggestion. How did I come up with it? I, I kind of, I kind of remember doing the rehearsals and kind of not really knowing where everything was going and then going into the studio and it seemed like a lot of stuff came together in the studio yeah. when we were actually recording yeah i think oh so. yes and then, and then just walking into that studio was for me i mean in recording studios before but that one would it was just so elaborate it was nice and those gigantic uh reels that they brought out was uh pretty fantastic and, and then mitch was uh, i mean he he really was in charge. Do you remember when he built that tunnel for uh, Gil's drum set with towels? I do. And it no. might the end of it. Wow. I do remember the tunnel. I didn't remember him building it, but I remember seeing it. Yeah, we just, we came in and they get, there was towels and sheets and, and this thing. So he put the mic at the end of it. So the bass drum uh, really resounded. Oh, wow. I don't and remember all that. These little things he like that. <laughs> So, Gee, was that for a particular song, or was that the setup, the drum setup for the entire album? That was the drum setup for the whole album. Wow. That was the way he recorded. Uh, that was the way, I, I just remember, uh, well, Gil and I were really tight, so we we spent so much time together. Uh, just, I mean, it was me and him, the rhythm section, yes. and, and watching him, just Mitch was so particular about how he set up uh, the mics around Gil's drums. More because Gil and I were really bored watching him. <laughs> <laughs> now, Gee, you you're the one that doesn't have a uh, a writing credit. You, you don't have a solo song on the record, is that? No, no, I didn't. Yeah. Just okay. Did you? <laughs> I don't know if that was conscious. Like Scott was like, "Okay, you're each gonna have write a song that's gonna end up on here," or if it just. I think I I remember contributing riffs and things like that, but uh... yeah, yeah. Soraya, nice. Yeah. What do you I think remember about him just saying oh. if you had anything, if anybody had anything. Yeah. Like, had like to... he said, each one gets a one or, you know, right. Or right. Like, if you have some material, let's hear it. Give it to me by tomorrow type thing. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? I mean, <laughs> how it was. <laughs> Soraya, what do you think about playing a song from the album? I think it's great. So why don't we start out with Guy? Um, and for our listeners, we asked uh, Donette, Shelly, and Guy to make a pick. 
of a track they'd love to hear from this album and talk about perhaps a little longer. So Guy, we're gonna start with you. What's your pick? Uh, my pick is Dripping With Looks. And the reason I picked that was uh, we, I remember Scott bringing it to us and us having no idea where this was going. It was kind of like, what the fuck? And <laughs> Oh, good, we can cuss. I wasn't we're doing like one, oh, yeah. oh yeah, we're changing it. And, and, and honestly, I don't even think Scott knew where it was going because it was so, it, it never worked in the studio. Remember, we were at that place in Oakland and uh, we were just there and every other song seemed to, you know, we knew where it was going, but Dripping With Looks was, uh, it, it just was not a song. And even, I even remember going into the, the studio and when Mitch, we played it for Mitch and he was also, what the fuck? <laughs> this doesn't make any sense to me. And I remember us trying it over and over. And, and, and I recall it being the song that we spent the most time on. And then finally, Mitch just like, oh, I get it. And then it just seemed to come together all at once. But it, it, it was just a cacophony until that moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I played like some of the drum part on there. I also remember spending a ton of time in the studio and what made it really, really bizarre was when we were leaving, we, were leave, we rehearsed in like the really dodgy part of Oakland. Remember it was near the bus station? Yeah, I remember it. <laughs> and it was kind of scary loading out. And then it was a very well-dressed blind man came up to us. He was walking past and he asked us for directions to the bus station. <laughs> and it was like at one in the morning. Wow. It was surreal. Wow. <laughs> so Shelly, did you say you played part of the drum? Well, my keyboard part is, is a percussion part at the end there where it kind of goes into double time and it's a keyboard doing this sort of uh, windy air sound. I, it's hard to tell it's a keyboard, but it is. And yeah, there are no drums in that song at all. Oh, there I mean, are? I didn't remember. Yeah, <laughs> there are none. And and uh, if you listen to it, the only thing that even sounds at all like a drum is your keyboard part on the outro. Yeah. And okay. I thought that that was particularly interesting, uh, especially since the first 30 seconds of the whole album, you know, after all of the sound snippets and stuff, is just that rolling drum thing that gills and not because you can mm -hmm. and it's just so drum focused there and then here we have this song that comes up right after that with no drums at all so i found that interesting when i when i listened to it again after a low of these many years so wow. yeah i did i will <laughs> listen to it again and think about that because yeah. i've just been accepting it <laughs> <laughs> and everyone every, everyone when you hear the song right now take note of Guy's bass playing on this song oh it's, yeah it's really uh, it, it's, it's masterful, yes. And I'm not saying that because you're here, Guy. I'm not. I'm not trying to. <laughs> <laughs> and as a bass player, you would know, Ronnie. So that's. It really adds. You'll hear it now, folks. Let's listen to it.
I would have never guessed that that was a, a synthesizer, Shelly, until you said that. So are you actually manually playing that or is it? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes, I am. Wow. <laughs> they actually, they were happy that I could go to double time without having problems. It was one of the few things, one of the few things I did. <laughs> and, and keep time. Yeah. And that. Secret weapon, Shelly. <laughs> so how did you guys go about recording sequentially is was who decided what was gonna go first was that all scott saying where you were gonna start or did you guys go in and it sounds like it, it was kind of forming as you were recording but was there an idea we're gonna start with this song and then go to this song or do you guys remember i i don't yeah i don't remember how we decided it was uh it was sort of organic, I think. Uh, there was that. There was no plan. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, do the songs that we know the best first. You know the yeah, ones yeah. we know the most of, and then have to work on the ones that we didn't. Didn't. Yeah. Know. It's usually the way. Hey, I want to it mention. Was... I'm sorry, Donut. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, getting back to dripping with looks. Uh, you, Donut. You mentioned no drums uh, before, but right before dripping with looks is a. Go ahead. I know you're dying to, which is. Just Gee and Scott, and another amazing bass performance, Gee. Um, yeah, I just want to mention that. because This place great... smoke up my ass. Yeah, no, no, no I know. That's, that's going to be the last time. So enjoy. Um. Yeah, and Gee, Gee, you better take advantage of that because Ronnie doesn't do that very no, often. No, Usually it's no, the opposite. No, no. It's, I just want to appreciate it. Yeah, no, speaking Definitely of sequencing, though, that, that, works, that works so good going into Dripping with Looks. Um, it's, you know, one of, one of the many incredible things about this record so just want to mention that go Thanks, ahead Ryan. go ahead jeff yeah <laughs> yeah i was gonna say so for the rest of the episode he's probably gonna tear you down so he's building you up <laughs> i'm not i don't know why i have this rest. i'm used to it <laughs> so donette and Guy, was this was your first time working with mitch yes yes yeah and you know i i did a uh, sort of, there was a, a radio station that was doing a, a little um, a fundraiser and they were focusing on Mitch and I, I had a little chance to think about Mitch and working with Mitch and, and it made me realize, you know, he'd been kind of present in my life through Scott and, and uh, I had never met him up until Lolita Nation, right? Because Scott really protected him from having to deal with me. So uh, I never I never met him. And then finally, you know, I was in the band because of Guy and uh, Scott couldn't do it anymore. And so he finally had to allow me and um, Mitch to be in the same room. And so uh, <laughs> I, I was like, I had built Mitch up into this godlike figure in my mind because you know here's here's rem they're they're being the the band that everybody uh, you know like us the game theory types and you know all of the other musicians who were playing in clubs the same type as that we were um we wanted to be them right but mitch had sort of created them and you know he was they were gods, but Mitch was the 
the creator of the gods. So he was bigger a deal than even R.E.M. as far as I was concerned. And then I met Mitch and he was just this really nice guy, just so, so nice and actually an incredibly hard worker, um, willing to do anything that it took to just get the job done and, and, and isolate the exact right uh, sound so that it, the song was just exactly how the song wanted to be. The sound was the exact sound that it needed to be inherently. And that was, I think, what he did that um, was so unique to him. And so um, it, I figured out that, you know, I went from thinking he was this God to thinking he was this wonderful, nice guy to thinking, yeah, he's, he's actually kind of a God, you know. <laughs> do, do, do you remember when we met him? And he never ever talked about R.E.M. But he was quite proud of the fact that he was friends with Pagey and Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin, and he had got his oh. number somehow, and he had just called him up and. Oh, I didn't recall that. <laughs> oh no, that. no, no! It was, I, I, I don't remember Plant. that. It was it was Robert Plant. He was, yes. he was friends with Robert Plant, and oh. he had he had gotten uh, Robert Plant's number and called him. He had a couple of drinks of wine, and 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 he called. Uh, called Robert Plant and Robert Plant knew who he was, was really happy. He called, he was like, oh, I gave your tape to Pagey. That's right. It's the first time I met this guy and he's like, wow, he's friends with Led Zeppelin. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I didn't know that. So I'd forgotten it. Even if I did know it, I'd forgotten it. I didn't know that. that wow. Robert, I remember Robert Plant used to talk about Let's Active in interviews and stuff. Yeah, yeah, he was. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, he gave the tape to Pagey. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So I would imagine with a record like Lolita Nation that Mitch probably had a bigger part than he might have had on other albums because it's so experimental. It sounds like there's a lot of production um, efforts put into it. Not that it's overproduced, but it seems like that's what you would get with something that's more experimental rather than a band coming in and just recording. So, so. I, yeah, do you, do you, I, it, my recollection is of him saying no a lot. <laughs> <laughs> to Scott, Scott's probably yes. grandiose ideas. <laughs> Part of his job, right? Well, he was yeah. such a nice guy, you know, he would tell you no. That sounds terrible, but he would not say it like that. And <laughs> right. Yeah, oh, no. he would he would say, oh, yeah. Yeah, we could try that, but let's try this other thing too, you know. <laughs> kind of divert it. <laughs> very comfortable. He was very nice and made him comfortable and feel confident and relaxed in the studio. He had a way about him that was calming. He's a mm -hmm. yeah. calming factor. And this was analog days, so he was uh, very handy with the razor blade on this on this album. You can tell because oh, yeah. there's a lot of... <laughs> Yeah. That's production technique for those who don't know. You you would cut tape and splice it, and that always freaked yeah, me out seeing that. I'm sure it freaks everybody out, right? When you see the producer cut tape and you're like, oh my god, how do they know exactly where? But but it was also every every section of tape. So the middle of the tape was a lot more dominant than the edges of the tape. So it was very important as to where what part of the tape an instrument was recorded. Right. Oh. I wasn't aware of that. Wow. So would like with the drums and bass 
since they're maybe louder instruments be they were closer to the the middle wow oh wow so that the, the farther to the edge it kind of faded <clears throat> and it was a huge tape it was i, I remember bringing in the reels or like three inches or, or maybe five inches they were huge i have a piece of it somewhere wow <laughs> an actual cut piece of the tape yeah, I have some somewhere. In one of my journals, I dang, I should have got that out for you guys. Uh -huh. I got it. <laughs> the Lolita Nation journals. Yeah. Nice. It's, it's interesting because people talk about the weirdness, with the weird parts of this record, but there's actually like very simple pop songs on this record, like um, We Love You, Carol and Allison, and like Nothing New. I mean, those are straight ahead and, and they, mm -hmm. they work in the context. They're there. You know, those are some of the simplest songs Scott wrote, I think, and they're on this record, you know, so. Yeah, that's a great diversity. Speaking yeah. of I, We I, Love I, You, I, Carol and Allison, Donna, did you want to, oh. I, I was going to say it was a lot easier to listen to on a record than on a CD, because you're listening to track 148. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't put the CD on shuffle, people, at home. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, Donna, let's talk about your pick since Ronnie uh, alluded to that. I didn't, I forgot, Donna. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. No, no. Perfect. <laughs> oh, leader. no, that's fine. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I love that song. And, uh, you know, um, it's one of my favorite lines in all of rock and roll is all I ate was spearmint candy trying to change the flavor of the days. And the funny thing about that is I lived with Scott and I never saw him eat spearmint candy ever. So, you know, <laughs> but, but it still is very evocative of, of how you might do that, but it, it's evocative of a whole bunch of different things that are really sort of in, indicative of the whole record. It's, it's uh, this really uh, serious point counterpoint that is dominant throughout the whole record it's this sweetness and optimism and innocence on the one hand and this sense that you know i know i'm going to make myself really sick here by poisoning myself with this stuff and fooling myself with this diet of spearmint candy which we all know is really not a very good thing for you so you know he's he's fooling himself purposely deliberately fooling himself and and knows it and it's it's kind of troubling in that way and you can hear it in the backing vocals too under the verses this sort of undertone of doubt and um also uh i know the story behind the the um the title we love you carol and allison he was in a bathroom and saw that written on the uh, wall a piece of graffito and it's it said we love you carol and alice and there was no comma so he he wondered is it who is the we we that loves carol and alice and of course you know it was probably carol and allison sneaked into the men's room and wrote we love you haha <laughs> carol and allison <laughs> but really you know he had to take it to this other dimension and and make it into this like cult like we that potentially wanted Carol and Allison to join them or whatever you know it's it's very uh it it it, it, it takes you into the Scott universe that um can just 
start folding and unfolding and unfolding into so many different dimensions. And that's another thing that I love about it. So um, it's, it's really kind of encapsulates all of the stuff, a lot of, a lot of what I like best about Lolita Nation. So, and plus I wrote my own guitar part on this song because at the time when Scott was writing these, um, this was right about when Shelly and Robert had their wedding ceremony and, and we were really happy. We were going to go back to visit our friends in Davis and we were excited about, you know, visiting and hanging out with the friends from our youth. And um, that was that whole innocence thing again, but with this sort of undertone of, well, you know, who knows what's real, what it's really going to be like thing too, you know? And so there's always this pulling back and forth of, of feelings. And it was, it's very interesting. So um, anyway, he was writing these songs and had uh, cassette tapes of him playing the guitar and I found them. So I was like, Ooh, I can write my own parts playing these. And so I did, I wrote my own guitar part on this. And um, you can hear it, Mitch really cranked it up. And so, um, you know, I don't think that Scott would have had it that high in the mix and it was never very loud in any of the rough mixes, but you can hear it pretty well in the final. So um, I, I like this one a lot. This is pretty much my, oh, also one more thing. Um, if you look at it, it's the third song on the first side, more or less, because, the songs are not really full songs, but if you kind of count two of them together, then this would be the one that Scott himself probably considered the single. The third song on the first side is the one that he told me um, is is traditionally the single. So I'm guessing this is the one that he might have considered the single. Wow. Okay, that's my intel. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the album's namesake comes from the title from this. So right, the, the that's true. And yeah. I will add that the backing vocals on this are amazing. Oh, thank you. Yeah, they sound great. And I would think, in my opinion, this is one of the more traditionally sounding game theory uh, songs. When I think of a game theory song, this is what it, the, the kind of sound that I hear. And you don't have a whole lot of that, like Ronnie mentioned on this album. There's There are definitely tracks, but it's not all this type song. So this is a great pick. So let's listen to it. We love you. Carolyn Allison, or we love you, comma, Carolyn Allison, possibly. Well, there's no comma. There's <laughs> deliberately no comma. Right, right, right. Yeah, the, he did a lot of playing around with punctuation, and I've got another story when we get to the waist and the knees, so yes, I'll tell you that then. All right, here we go.
Nice. You have that little Baroque ending there, Shelly. Is that yeah, your plan? Baroque ending. Actually, what happened there was I stopped before he wanted me to. And then later they decided that they wanted it to go on. So part of that is just like cut and added. Onto oh. the so I, I, just, I didn't know he wanted me to keep going. Anyway. <laughs> Anna, can, can we give it up for Gil? On oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The drums throughout this record. Oh, my God. And Gabe, you were rocking on that, too. Oh, mm -hmm. You're your backing vocals just now. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> I yeah. definitely agree. We had, those were great days. We had they a were. lot of fun. I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, well, Ronnie and I were talking yesterday about how the fact that it, it is a double album, it's, but it's not a gatefold. So you got both records stuffed in in this. Do you guys happen to know anything about like how the label felt about that? Yeah, yeah. Cheaper? Yeah, was, an, was Enigma. <laughs> they, they, uh, Enigma had very deep pockets and they're so willing to spend it on us. Yeah, I was going to say, that was definitely a budget cut if I ever saw one. Right. We, we had to beg them for albums. Like, I, I think I got two. Wow. I had to buy them to give them to right. my friends. Yeah. I was wondering just was was it because labels are traditionally they're like, we don't want to put out a double record. I mean, were they, did they embrace the idea or, or, were they like, we're, we'll do it, but we can't spend a lot of money on the on the packaging? I, I think that's about how it went, yeah. yeah. I think yeah. that it was some kind of a deal like that. We can put two records inside one sleeve and, you know, the artwork and the packaging really is the expensive part. And so, you know, that was the deal that we made. I, I was, I don't remember much was about it? that, but I think that it was something like that. I think it was also helpful that our manager was also a record label executive, right? Right. The yeah. slight conflict of interest, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's also very simple. It, it might be the simplest game theory cover, you know. For oh, all right, here's my moment. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I wanted to do, you know, I was an artist in art school back then, and I wanted to do a. I wanted to do the album cover. That'd be like my ultimate thing growing up as a teen was, oh, I'll do album covers. What, what could be a better thing having my art relate to music or something? And here I'm in this band. And so I knew Scott's general idea that he wanted the big G with the, you know, he had hit with the, with the, just like what it is. So I'd done like a, a surrealistic painting to go with it. And I have a, like an absolute wretched photocopy of it because I, some, I had some cute guy visiting me in my art studio and he really liked it. And I said, you can have it. And then, oh. and then it was stolen from his garage. I'm like, oh. in the garage, buddy, huh, huh? <laughs> anyway, so I've got this really very poor re reproduction of it, of my idea for the album cover. Of, uh, of oh wow! Yeah. Oh, that would have been cool. Yeah. Very poor colors. This is more like what the real color is here. This is, oh. this is the only. I, I couldn't find the photo last night. It was like of all the things. This is all I could find. So here's <laughs> this, and then that's what it looked like. That was my version with this, you know, Lolita Nation mirror um, bird looking in the mirror at itself. And um, Scott rejected it without ever seeing it, even so. I didn't, I didn't push for it. You know, he has his very specific ideas about his, um, his graphics. Yeah, he did. And they weren't all fluffy. I think that the next album cover, um, he was 
was trying to be more inclusive of my surrealistic tendencies and having mm -hmm. to be involved in painting that background sky. And he had the specific red he wanted it to be painted and everything. And um, but you can't even tell it's a painting in the background. That is all I had to do with that design, okay? But <laughs> I think that he was feeding off of my interest, which was a common interest of his at the same time, um, to do that album cover. And so that's why I get credited for it sometime, but sometimes, but um, I, I didn't do that. <laughs> I didn't do it. And there's fantastic photos of you guys in the back. I'm, a, I'm especially fond of Shelley's. Oh yeah. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Did, I don't know if that that's another story. Um, shoot, I don't have that picture ready to go, but it was a it was a store window. <clears throat> I may have told the story already. Did I tell it last time? No. I, I guess I guess I'll repeat it. Yeah. Um I I had this friend who was designing a storefront window for uh, an antique bead store that stole jewelry and things like that. And um and he had the, this idea for you know that pretty much what's in the picture and so he had me pose for it and I got free jewelry for being in the picture <laughs> what, what can I want and uh, Robert took the pictures you know and it was for this other thing completely and then um, Donette and Scott both really liked the picture a lot and Scott was like let's put it on the album so that's why I got there not because it wasn't taken specifically for Lily. Did we not have to edit that picture? <laughs> yeah. oh, yes. <laughs> The record company said, um, no, no boobs, right? We have to burn those out. And so, um, because we couldn't, <laughs> the excuse was Kmart. We couldn't sell it in Kmart. Like, who goes to Kmart? I gave <laughs> right. And, um, so uh, they did indeed do that until they they did the reissue. And I think, I, I think that was Robert's doing this to not, you know, burn them out. So they're playing his day on the reissue, which scared the... <laughs> Shit at me. <laughs> I think they're awesome. I used to think it was so silly, you know. I thought, oh, this is really silly that they're doing this. It doesn't matter and all. But then when I saw it that way, I really felt exposed. <laughs> so you on the original like cover, it's not as obvious. But you all look fantastic yeah. on these. Everybody looks fantastic on this. I love this picture of you, Donette. It's oh, thank you. Well, yeah. And, and Guy, Guy, do you have the jacket still? It's got to be asked. I, I I actually do. I kept it. I bought it in Italy oh, years and years ago, and it, it, it unfortunately <laughs> it shrank. <laughs> well put. Yes. All right. So Shelly, your pick, which came as no surprise, I will say, because I think you mentioned last time how much you love playing the track live. Yes, yes, I did. In fact, that's I, I remember motiv being motivated to go on the tour just to play that song live because it is really a really fun. And I, it was an opportunity for me to uh, Scott. I I'd gotten the DX7, which was a digital um, keyboard, you know. Before I had the Poly Six, which Scott knew how to operate completely. He was, you know, he would show me how to do it, but he didn't understand the DX7. He didn't know how it worked at all. So. Um, this was an opportunity for me to have my area like I had learned how to do it. He wanted me to make some wild sounds for this song in particular. And so I got to be I got to be a real synthesizer player then. You know, I learned I had to learn things. And um, uh, you always were. <laughs> oh, yes, you always were. <laughs> well, you know, I, I got to be a more um, uh, advanced. Uh, what do you call it? Um, you know more just more innovator 
more yeah, of an more innovator. innovative. I, and you know, he, he he let me make up the sounds. And often in the past, he would come up with whatever patch it was going to be for the song. And so this was my creative moment. And I did love to play it. It was really fun. And Shelley went on to play um, in a noise band, right? Weren't you telling Donnie, me about that? Donnie, thanks for reminding me because I was going to forget that altogether. <laughs> but that, in general, this record being with all the little snippets and stuff and bits and cut up, it's like cut up. Um, the noise band that I was in after that New Oral Exciter, they they did a lot of cut up. It was pretty much the vocals were all cut up. There was no singer. It was always just cut up um, pieces from <laughs> you know, newscastings or advertisements or whatever they thought was entertaining and interesting to be there. So it was a precursor for me joining that band and being interested in that whole sort of cut up in general. And what was the name of that group? New Oral Exciter. Okay. Did you guys release anything? We we did on our own. It wasn't like, you know, uh, we have plenty of CDs if you'd like one. I would like one. (laughs) It wasn't available at Kmart, shall we? No, it was never for sale anywhere. It was merely just something that we had to give to our friends, or I don't think we ever sold any of them. Understood. So here, I've got to mention something that I, okay, this is ridiculous. Uh, what was it like almost, it was 30 years ago, probably, that we were playing this song, and I had I'd been listening to it. Okay, Beckman's by the enlistment lines. That's the first line of this song. Okay, I had no idea what that meant. And so now we have the internet. So I looked up, I typed it into Google, Beckman's by the enlistment line. Mm -hmm. And so it turns up this painting by a guy named Max Beckman. Yeah, yeah. The Night, The Night. Are you, are you familiar with it? Oh, yes, yes. I had to go to art school painting. Yeah, I learned about that. <laughs> oh, what a horrific painting. Yeah, I know. This... They were really expressing some ugliness back then. Yeah, it's <laughs> the ugliest trip I've ever been on. And somebody's yeah. twisting his arm. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and ben, ben breaking the waist and the knees, the whole thing is in there. It's, uh, it's, it, it's this. It's this just... Uh, journey into chaos and it's got the proletariat and the and the bourgeoisie and you know I mean all of this is built into the song I mean and it was like see okay I I lived with Scott and I knew he loved this kind of thing he would Mm -hmm. sit and read um, James Joyce and try to figure out the meaning of all of these things and he built that stuff into his own work too Mm -hmm. and I I found this and I was like Ooh, oh, that's so much fun. And I was like, I, I had a little taste of the joy that he must have felt when he found something, a little Easter egg like that in one of the works of the people that he, he enjoyed. So anyway, if you get a chance, go and look at that painting, Max Beckman, um, The Night. And it's it's horrifying. And it really, it really uh, uh, describes, it really informs this song. And... This this song is is a, just as much I think a masterpiece as that work is the night. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Gee, is there anything that you wanted to add before we play the waist and the knees? Not that I can think of. But to be honest, I I really don't listen to a lot of Game Theory anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shelley, you want to introduce the song? Here comes the waist and the knees. <laughs> 
contract part live do you remember that gay oh yeah we would all say uh, I, loved it. I loved that too that was so much fun it was really fun and the, the live version that is on um it's on one of these uh, new um re-releases yeah. just great it's really great version yeah yeah scott didn't want to do that song live he didn't think we could do it live because of all of the snippets and stuff and i I said, well, why don't we all just, you know, talk? And, and he's like, well, let's try it. And, and it worked. We, we plowed through it with hubris. Yeah, well, you <laughs> we can used to have it, uh, it. It went directly into another song. And I'm trying to remember what that was. Do you remember? I was on the out. Nothing new. Yeah. 
was it nothing new that we went into yeah. directly after yeah. Winston the Knees? Always, mm -hmm. yeah. So what was there a reason uh, why? Uh, was there a reason why you would transition into that? Yeah, because the riff at the end, there's sort of a, a repetitive, nightmarish, repetitive riff that I played at the end of of, uh, of the waist and the knees. That was the intro riff. Oh, for oh no! Nothing live new. we did to have her stand. We would go into to have her stand right after. Oh, live! Yes, that? yes, yeah, yes. That's yes. what I'm thinking of. I always thought yeah, that was right. great. I mean, that was like our displaying our musicianship so yeah, well. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Right into that after such a wild song. So Gee, yeah. you mentioned that you don't listen to much game theory. Is there a reason for it? Is it painful or not interesting or there's so much else to listen to? So much else to listen to. I don't know. It's, it, it, I find the whole, it, it's very odd for me that people are still so into, and I, and I appreciate the fact that, that people still love our music, but it's, it was a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know quite a few people who are very hardcore about game theory. And I think it's for good reason because people a lot of times will note the songwriting um, aspect of what Scott brought to the music, which is, in my opinion, just incredible. He's just an incredible songwriter. And then you guys just yeah. brought these songs and just made them fantastic. So um, I'm, and, and, I'm still listening I, to it. <laughs> I got to say, as I've gotten older, I appreciate it a lot more, the, the, right. the lyrics. And yeah, I think I appreciate it more too, as I've got as time has gone by, and um, I I had put it behind me too. I hadn't even thought much about being in game theory until um, until Scott died, and then I got back on Facebook. I got on Facebook, and then then there was this whole world of people who were interested in game theory, and I pretty much was unaware of that. You know, didn't seem like a you know, I was just cut out of it. I, I sometimes feel I'm not game theory enough for the game theory group. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that Soraya and I have actually got several requests for you specifically, Guy, and um, we've been fortunate enough to have Donna and Shelly on before. And um, those are actually our more popular episodes that we play. Oh, we, had Nan. we had Nan as well. That's right. Yeah. But we that was a good one. We specifically probably have had about a dozen requests for Guy to be on the show. At least. Well. Yay! Yeah. 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 The mysterious Guy. They're, they're all from me. <laughs> they go. What happened to him? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you, you see I'm Dirk Steele, so it's different. <laughs> well, no, I, I, when these records were coming out, and I was a fan, you know, since the second EP, um, I would tell people that Game Theory is a band that's going to be discovered like a big star you know, in future years. And, you know, it still happens. And, and it's, it's because, you know, I, I, I don't want to say this the wrong way, but a lot of people didn't hear these records or know of the band at the time. Yeah. And uh, right. so it's a perfect band to discover. And like, Guy, when you said you first heard the tape, like, you know, people hear Game Theory and they're like, wow. I mean, um, you know, Scott's my favorite songwriter. I mean, and at this point, it's always going to be that way. I can, you know. But yeah, yeah. Sometimes I, I wonder <laughs> the way musical tastes were. If we had maybe done one more album, if it not been different. I wonder that too, Gee. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of kick myself like every day that I didn't uh, just shut up and you know oh. go along with the program. <laughs> <laughs> I think for all of us, it was it was time. 
<laughs> there was other things in life. Yeah. So yeah. on Lolita Nation, there's some uh, additional musicians that are playing. Um, I guess Mitch Easter might have added some piano or guitar. And then I think you might have mentioned this before, Donnet, that Angie Carlson also plays on the record. Were you guys there for any of these? Oh, I was there for Angie's. Oh, my God. I, I've talked about that, right? A little bit, yeah. yeah. But yeah. Were you, you there, Shelley? When she she was asleep on the couch for the world's easiest job. I can still, I don't know what to do. I'll just wait, I guess. Oh, are, are you, are you cutting out? I can still see me and I, Donette stopped. She's just frozen. Oh. Oh. Shelly uh, is apparently suffering yeah. from some. Well, we, you're still loud and clear here, Shelly. I mean. Uh... Yeah, I think you might be having some, uh, some kind of internet. Yeah. Oh, now she froze. Yeah, she's got some internet issues. Yeah. Anyway, yes, she was asleep on the couch. Um, Angie was. And Mitch decided that he needed a, a wild piano part on the world's easiest job. So he says, Angie, wake up. We need a wild piano part. And she just got up from this sleep. I mean, she was... I, as far as I could tell, really asleep and sort of staggered into the studio uh, up to the grand piano and just whipped that thing out in one take. And it was just amazing. Wow. Yeah, she's. Oh, well, that would surprise me. <laughs> I just remember sitting, sitting on the couch with Gil and then we'd be talking and someone would just walk through the, uh, the lobby and then right into the studio and we're like, Who's that? <laughs> <laughs> right. We we so, kind of touched on this, but we, we should mention we should talk just a little about side three, as we'll call it. Um, now, uh, did 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 Scott and Mitch just create that? Like, did, did you guys walk in and like and, and was Scott like, look what I look what we put together, you know? And you heard that big montage. Um, I mean, obviously that was it was probably not well planned out, and, and you know. I'm thinking uh, yeah. of just being creative in the studio, the, right? Yeah. There was a lot of stuff that was a big surprise to um, to me anyway. Uh, but I, I don't know if there, I wasn't there for the uh, mixing or any of that. So maybe, yeah. No, okay. but yeah, there was a lot of stuff that was <laughs> brand new to me. Right. Okay. I liked it, but you know. Yeah. And, and even some of the stuff that we knew sounded a lot different. It, it did. <laughs> right, right. I, I remember listening to parts. as like, is that me? Uh, <laughs> right. Who knows? Uh, so I remember the record came out. I remember it getting good reviews. I mean, do you remember the reception being being good at the time? Uh, yes, yes, it was. And um, I remember actually... I was telling Shelly this the other day. Um, I went down to line up the video. I was talking to Enigma at the time and I lined up the video uh, and the church was down there recording Starfish. So I stopped by to say hello and we drove out from their place in West LA to the Source Vegetarian Restaurant in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And on our way there, I played them Lolita Nation and you know, I was listening to it through their ears and it sounded really good. And anyway, uh, 
then on the way back from Hollywood, they played me some songs from Starfish. So it was kind of this epic car ride. (laughs) (laughs) Our our record came out in December of 87 and their record came out in February of 88. So they were very close in time. It was interesting. Mm. Jeff. yeah, so I I wanted to ask, like, overall, like, looking back at recording this record, it wasn't the last one for you guys, but do you have any specific memories of the session and any fond memories or any memories of frustration in recording it? I remember it just being really fun. I mean, we were all so close. You know, we came off the, the, the Big Shot Chronicles tour, and it was just we were just a family and just putting that record together it was just it was just what we did it was great in our in our conversations we've noticed a lot of bands will sometimes say that they feel like it was us against the world did you have that kind of feeling i didn't i i felt like it was us and and the world was just a wonderful place where it was more us more more of a place for us to go yeah i i had i didn't feel us against the world at all i definitely felt uh we we were having it was a really fun time it was i had incredible dreams that night that i had recorded my song um can you guys hear me yes yeah i can hear you okay um yeah where it was um like a pink pink sky and a mirrored water with little grasses coming through and there was all these uh, beautiful audio like uh, serene sounds pitches you know like would would be a synthesizer pitches but they're all like nature kind of things and um it was really vivid to the point that you know i remember it now but it was it it was much about the feelings it was like the feelings that i'd had during during the recording coming through like it was um you know Mm. it was good it was definitely one of the most um exciting creative type experiences in my life and did did that differ from the last album when you did two steps from the middle ages yes not that i didn't have a good time doing two steps but it it wasn't the same as um the lolita nation uh was much more uh i don't know there's something about finishing things up and creating them on the spot that is like uh, much more improvisational and you have this freshness to it that um and newness newness you know like wow you know taking different directions that you may not have expected going down unusual pathways to find new locations you know whatever <laughs> but i also think there was a sense of frustration in that we thought we had just this great album and then i remember talking to our manager and saying, well how come are this why are the smithereens getting their songs on Miami Vice and we're not going anywhere or they're not playing our songs anywhere. That was, that, that to me was frustrating. Yeah. I think one of the biggest takeaways that I have is the fact that you guys are talking about how collaborative this particular album was. And for me, that's, it's just amazing to hear that on this particular record because it's, it's an epic album. And to hear the fact that that you guys are adding in your personal creative influences into the record. I, I love that. I love hearing that about this particular record. 
Yeah, I think we were more band-like. You know, Scott Scott's had many lineups, and it's it's Scott Miller's deal, right? And so this was we were really more of a band in this in this venture. Oh, I love that. Wonderful. I, I know we're kind of wrapping up here. I just want to say, uh, no one asked me to pick a song, but I want to mention the song "Slip" because no one talks about it, and I love that song. <laughs> just want to say that. That was fun to play. <laughs> <laughs> what is it about that particular track, Ronnie? Oh, just uh, like, like with all the great Scott Millers, just the chord changes and the everything, you know, it's just a great, it's just a great song. And um, maybe it's the, the generic title or whatever. No one ever mentions it. So I just wanted to give it a shout out, if you will. And I would slip. <laughs> slip, yes. I would have picked Kenneth, what's the frequency for mine? <laughs> No surprise, right, Soraya, for the title, uh, lead off track. None at all, none at all. Well, nobody mentioned the real Sheila. That was the single, Oh yeah, right? <laughs> no, the real Sheila, Look Away, Donette. We should talk about Look Away, maybe. That's oh, a wonderful no, song. we don't need to talk about Look Away. That's a wonderful song. But the real Sheila, I listened to that song, and I, I mean, I've heard it so many times that I've kind of like, oh, yeah, the real Sheila. I listened to it last night, and I was like, Oh, that was good. That was really good. It's so, incredible. And then Shelly. Don't, don't count yeah. it out, you know. <laughs> no. Let's talk about um, Shelly on The Real Sheila. Amazing. What if that's I you. Amazing. If that's you, the keyboard part. That... <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty small keyboard part, you know. It's loud, It's prominent in the song. It, 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 it drives the song. So. But yeah. I, I didn't have a lot to do in there. I remember, you know, just doing a lot of standing and dancing with that. Um, <laughs> I wanted to mention that um, Jonathan Sagal had an interview with uh, someone now I'm forgetting back in October of, of 2020, where he reviews uh, Lolita Nation and he really, really did some in-depth um, uh, taking a part of the meaning of the songs. And I, I did not write it all down but you may want to look that up if you're interested in hearing some analysis because he's you know he's got so much more to say about it than I ever thought about and certainly went in different directions than than uh, what we've discussed here today and um, I was that's what these notes are from that I'm trying to follow that I can't read I started he was saying so much stuff I started just writing down notes about my thoughts about different the, the songs and um, nothing that I haven't mentioned so far. But you should look at check it out if you want to hear some other analysis of that. Uh, yeah. This no, no, it's great. I, I listened to that. When oh, it you did? That, I oh, thought yeah, it yeah. was really fun. I really no, enjoyed no, no. that. Wonderful. I get Wonderful. really stupid about that. And hey, when you guys tour this record, who had the most luggage? Uh, was it Deanne? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know if she went on that tour actually, but she was famous for having the most luggage ever. Okay. Yeah. I, I remember Shelly had the behemoth. Yeah, the behemoth. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, but the behemoth, That's I had right. not only all of my clothes and everything, I also had all my bedding in one suitcase. So, wow. Uh, you know, it could be called the behemoth, but it wasn't. <laughs> You're right. It was big, but compact. Yes. There's always somebody that, that packs a little too heavy on a tour. Uh, uh, I mean, do you guys know Deanne was what, our sound person for one of the tours? Did, was she on this tour? Was that? Am I thinking of the one? That was Jimmy. Jimmy was. Jimmy on? was Lollapalooza. He was. You sure? Well, you got. I can't. Because it was Jimmy. There was Doug, and then there was Deanne. 
Yeah, yeah. Deanne. Deanne is, well, she was. She had the. She had. You know what? Jimmy was big. Jimmy was Big Shot Chronicles. Okay. And Deanne was Little Lit Nation. Yeah. 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 Okay. So because I, I remember she had she had two albums that she would always play the two songs, uh, Grateful Dead, and then uh, uh, Def Leppard had that album, and so she would crank it. <laughs> that that at all. I just remember lots of lots of luggage. <laughs> so it was Touch of, Touch of Grey was the first song, and then she would play the whole album of Def Leppard. Oh, <laughs> they always have their favorites. See, you're not going to hear about the behemoth on Jonathan Siegel's take, take, you know, no. take on this. No, right. he didn't know, he didn't know about my behemoth then. Okay, I, you know, I might yeah. even still have that suitcase for <laughs> sentimental value. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. I still have my rubber dress. You know, that rubber dress, the, the quarter of a wetsuit. Um, that uh, that was Scott's title for it, the quarter of a wetsuit. <laughs> and, and, you know, neoprene doesn't, it doesn't handle aging very well. It's sort of this right. stiff little piece of, you know, wetsuit material. Now it's not. <laughs> but I'm well, clinging to still, it. I'm clinging to my identity. I, <laughs> I, I finally donated my uh, peace peace sign pants. Oh, you did. Oh. <laughs> oh, the famous peace sign pants. That's gonna be amazing. Oh. Who did funny. you donate them to? So is that? Yeah, we're, we're yeah. Where where stuff. are they at? Is it at a uh, <laughs> Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Some Goodwill, someplace. Some homeless person. There are oh. there are fans that are crying now. I'm sure. Yeah, someone's <laughs> reliving the '60s. Well, people yeah. are always talking about those pants. They're always saying, "Oh, those are great. Those are great pants that he's got on." <laughs> hey, Gee, did you continue to play music after Game Theory? Uh, no, I kind of I, I finished, uh, went back to college, and then I got into finance. So <laughs> smart one. Yeah. The, the, the funniest thing was uh, you were talking about my cousin Mark. Uh, Mark Eitzel was doing a photo shoot up at uh, on, on Knob Hill by the Big Four restaurant, and I was coming back from work wearing my 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 suit, and I ran. And I saw Mark, and I went up and said hi. And then Pete Buck had played on Mark's album. And Pete Buck was like, oh, Higgy, like, are you still playing music? I said, no, I'm in finance. And then I was dead to him. Like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> said, yeah, not, you know, not everybody in music is a billionaire like you. <laughs> That's hilarious. Soraya, do you have any last questions before we close out? I got a lot to process. But no, I think I think I'm good for right now. But wow, this was I'm I'm still wrapping my head around the idea that a lot of these songs were unfinished. Because when I listen to Lolita Nation, it, I have a very different idea of how this how I thought it started out. So I'm still there. But oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> this is so good. <laughs> Thanks, you guys. This was special. As Don had put it, you, you guys are the surviving members of the Lolita Nation. Only living male member. Uh, <laughs> yay. The living male member. Oh, yes. my God. <laughs> that means something totally different to Ronnie when you say male member. What does that mean? What do you <laughs> 
no, no your pictures a... are all freezing on my screen i'm not seeing movement and i've got the best ronnie face oh it just went away oh. it was really great <laughs> <laughs> the expression of outrage <laughs> well we definitely wanted to thank the three of you for coming on this you made you were part of history musical history in my opinion and um I have a lot of music in this particular album yes. and this band is very special to me. So having the three of you on here is just blowing my mind and it's just amazing. I appreciate the three of you taking time to meet with us. And of course, Ronnie, um, our, our great. I don't know. If it's... What's that, Shelly? <laughs> oh. She, oh, she froze again. <laughs> anyway. uh, I don't know, for, for me, this is really special because I haven't talked to- I've lost audio. Ronnie and Shelly forever. That's so, what I was oh. going to say, Guy, exactly. Oh. It, 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 thank you for giving us the opportunity to reconnect with, uh, you know, people who have meant so much to me, really. And uh, it's, it's just so important. And we've been meaning to kind of do this for a while. And, and we finally have done it, thanks to you guys. So I, thank I, you I so love much. that it still feels like family. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Love you guys. Love you too, Guy. Thank you guys so much. Thank bye. you very much. Right. Okay, bye everybody. Bye. everybody. Wow. Ronnie, thank you for making this happen. I I, I got to take a moment. You are that, the that, guy. That, that thank ending you. there was, wow. I'm all choked up. Just to see the, the, the love, you know what I mean? Like I think we're all a little choked up. Um, yeah, no. Yes. So good, so great. All, all three of them are so wonderful. It's good. Guy, you know, nobody, none of us know Guy, you know, like it's, it's so great. What a great guy. Yes. Um, and I, yeah, I, I'm not um, blowing any smoke when I said that we, we actually do get lots of requests. Every time we post anything game theory related, where's Guy? Yeah. Get Guy. So yeah. well, he hasn't done any interviews that I, that I have, you know, that I know of. So like he said, he got out of the business, went into finance, you know, I, I mean, anyway, all, all three are such sweethearts. Yeah, just th thanks for having me along to, uh, you know, this is a dream of mine. So, you know, it's, I, I love, like I said, Scott's my, you know, my, my background moves. It's weird. I, I have a new iPad and it moves with me. That's interesting. Oh, you're not doing that. I thought you were doing No, that. no. Well, See, it moves with my head. It's, wow. It's following you. Yeah. It's the, it's the little green men inside that <laughs> iPad. They're following. Okay, Ronnie, I have yeah. to ask. Is there yeah. any question that you didn't get to ask, knowing that you had the three of them no. together? Is there anything that you left No. Out? No, I mean, of course, of course, um, I'll think of stuff later. But, you know, I, I, my, my approach to doing these things is to kind of just get them going. And, uh, and then, and then they, they kind of they take it and it kind of sparks you to say something, you know, like, you know, um, and then I, I just like to, you, you see the kind of dumb stuff I throw in, like what kind of, who had the biggest luggage? I mean, that's just like, that's stuff I'm just curious about, about being in a band and just, you know, the day-to-day, the day-to-day -day of being in a band on tour. I mean, you're, you're, you're basically with each other besides that hour and a half or whatever you're on stage. You know what I mean? So like, you know, packing the van is a big deal and, and how, I don't know. I'm just intrigued with that. You know, did, you know, do they carry the equipment in every night? Some bands do that, you know, like Shelly mentioned having bedding in, in her suitcase. So obviously they were, they were sleeping in on some floors and stuff along the way. So 
the one piece of data Jonathan Siegel doesn't have about the exactly. We exactly. have it. Yeah, it might be it might be a more intelligent, um, you know, dissertation of the record, but <laughs> yeah. So we definitely we talk to them. So that's one of the things that we love about having you on because you have you have these questions that are specific to touring bands. Like you you might ask. Yeah who slept in what bed or how many nights or were you in a hotel versus the van or whatever. So we always appreciate. Oh yeah. Kind of there we go. I forgot to ask Guy who he slept with when he had to share a bed. There's probably Gil. It's my guess. The rhythm section bed. <laughs> but the rhythm section, yeah, 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 the rhythm yeah, yeah, yeah. Se section yeah. stays together. On those on the low budget oh. tour, you got to share a bed every now and then. Okay, Ronnie, I got to ask you, did you know that this album was as improvisational as they mentioned it was? um you know just just by knowing the record i mean I, i'm not surprised because there's there's a, a lot of like um things you can tell or kind of i don't know if you call them happy accidents but just things that like probably couldn't have been planned on paper you know what i mean mm. like um okay um like like you know you could tell scott and mitch like really worked together on this um Specifically side three, right? <laughs> well, specific side three, but also like just just endings and beginnings and, and uh -huh. little bits in between and the, the sequencing on this record too. I mean, um, you know, that must have been that must have been something trying to figure out the, how to sequence this thing. Yeah. Right? Like um that's something like in that yeah. That Wikipedia thing meant, you know, the word sprawling really fits with this record, right? I mean, it's uh, you know. And they, they really they really went for it on this one yeah absolutely you know? and, and and succeeded yeah yeah i think we can all agree yeah so that. sequencing so. is always something that i want to know about because to me that's one of my favorite parts about any project that i've been involved with is after everything's done is where everything fits into it i love that yeah. aspect of putting out a release i didn't bother asking that because i figured that was a scott probably right not true <laughs> yeah true but true. um yeah i love that aspect of so even, it's uh it's important yeah yeah i mean it can make or break a record really even to a certain extent yeah even when they were talking about the live sequencing of tracks and they were talking about the waist and the knees and um always having the, the follow-up track and i know ronnie in your band the muffs you were a big part of putting the set lists together so you know how that yeah. goes and trying to 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 pace everything pace the show well, yeah yeah but there's a pace and there's certain songs that like fit together well you kind of arrive on that like we we would we would we would change up our sets to a certain extent in the mouse we, we we played songs in blocks like blocks of four or, or five like we'd have a line between so we'd try to like play those four in a row and and there's a yeah you don't you don't put two two samey ones if you will i mean you know in the must we got a lot of samey ones right but but you put you know you, you 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 take a break play the pop song you know followed by the you know the the, the fast one maybe and into the cow pokey one into the, <laughs> yeah i mean i mean you know it's it's uh, all and then you also you have like your drummer might not want to play too many fast ones in a row roy <laughs> <laughs> he'd often you can see him glaring at me sometimes on stage because for, for that reason we'd be ready to go and he's like needs a break um but yeah yeah there's all that and then there's ones that yeah there's ones that don't work live you figure out yeah um, you know so yeah no it's a it's a it's part of the art 
of if I can call music an art, art form. One thing I was yeah. really happy about with having Donna, Shelley, and Guion today is sometimes when you have multiple people from the same band talking, it's um, I worry about how it's going to play out. But I loved the input of the three of them, and like you said, Ronnie, yes. them feeding yeah. off of each other memories, and and they all had such valuable input. Um, it was great. Yeah. It was great how that played out with these three, because you never know when you have multiple members from a band playing. We've learned that it doesn't always work out the way that it worked out today, which is, <laughs> which is nice. No, this was, this is really a beautiful, beautiful harmony yeah. between the yeah. three of them. I mean, and I liked how they all three reiterated the fact that they were a family. And I loved what Shelly said. She goes, this was the album where it had the most band-like feeling, where we all had the most band-like experience. Yeah. If you should use the word feeling. But I'm, I'm just really kind of blown away. I'm really, I'm, I'm really speechless. It's hard for me to put my thoughts into words right yeah. now. Not every band um, is a family like that you know what i mean um yeah you know they they were you know my band was i mean, I mean but it's it's it, not for a second did i not realize that how special that was because I, I know a lot of musician friends and some people never they never land they never land there you know and um so it is it is a special thing and um yeah this was great thank you so much ronnie ronnie we can't thank you enough because I don't think we, I don't think we could have gotten the three of them together that's if it wasn't not, for you. That's not true. Serious, no. In all seriousness, that is why you. This are is Paisley Stage, Raspberry, and Run. Did I say that right? <laughs> featuring that the right, right order. Featuring yes. <laughs> <laughs> featuring featuring Ronnie Barnett. Thank you, Ronnie. Uh, we really no, no. appreciate it. Oh my God! Thanks, thank y'all. you. All right, then I'll see I'll you. I'll see you Saturday. Saturday. Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. All right. Sounds good. All right, guys. Okay. Hey, Thanks, Ronnie. Let me uh, let me exit so you can talk. Okay. <laughs> oh my God! Right. I, first of all, I can't love Donette, Shelley, and Guy more than I already do. But okay. what a great conversation! I'm really still kind of speechless. And um, yeah, there's a lot to process here. But, you know, I'm still, I'm trying to picture this first image that Guy gave us of Mitch Easter building this drum tunnel. Oh, yeah. Hill out of out towels. Of towels. And, then, and then Guy says, yeah, uh, Gil and I, we were just kind of bored watching him, you know, like build this thing. But it just goes to show you how much time thought um and just reimagining went into this album i love it yeah wow yeah i'm just oh, this is really a great great talk Agreed. and it's a and it's a fan i mean it's a fantastic album. It is. And yeah. now that I understand a little more about the creation of it, I think I can hear it a little differently now. So yeah. 
all of this, I think, really just underlines how innovative Scott Miller really was. And I'm glad that we have not just these albums, but his bandmates. Yes. To they help played, tell the story. Yeah. And they played a big part in this album in particular. So that's yeah. good to hear about. So. And uh, I think there's still more story to be told, but oh yeah. Boy, yeah. this was this was really special. Agreed. So, Agreed. Jeff, I don't know. I need I need a moment. So mi gente agruviar. Grew on basic people. And uh, just one last thought. How weird is it that Lewis and Guy both leave bands and go into finance? <laughs> Anyways, that's that. And I'll tell you, this talk put, has put me in such a great mood right yeah. now. It like got me out of the funk I was in. Aww. So I'm. thank you for being patient with me. I appreciate it.